Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. Real treat for you today. We have the creative team for an upcoming book from Image, which is taking a, a really standard kind of fictional type of character, I'll say, and in a lot of ways, modernizing it. So the book is called Bloodstained Teeth, and I have uh, the writer, the artist, the colorist, they're all here uh, to talk about it. So we'll start with a quick introduction uh, from the writer, Christian Ward. Christian, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So if people aren't familiar with your work, uh, throw out, I mean, you've done so much stuff, I feel like, uh, especially as an artist. So uh, give a quick uh, intro where people may have seen your work before. Sure. Uh, well, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm Christian Ward. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is my second book as a writer. My first being Machine Gun Wizards. But as you, as you pointed out, I'm mostly known for being an artist. Uh, recently, I did... Uh, um, in the Invisible Kingdom with G. Willow Wilson. Uh, before that, I did The Odyssey with Matt Fraction. Uh, I've also worked at Marvel with Saladin Ahmed on Black Bolt um, and lots of other things which are leaving my mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, and what about you, uh, Patrick? Uh, let everybody know where they may have seen your work before. Um, mostly this is my first, uh, Bloodstained Teeth is the first comic I've done without Dark Horse. So everything I've done actually has been with Dark Horse. Actually, that's not true. Uh, I just, I did one issue of Nita Ha's Nightmare blog with, uh, Jason Sean Alexander and Ronnie Barnes. Uh, but before that I did The Mask or I Pledge Allegiance to The Mask with Christopher Cantwell. And before that I was on a pretty extended series of, uh, Joe Gollum, a cult detective, which is everybody's awesome and batshit crazy as you can imagine that title sounds <laughs> um uh and i was on that for the longest um uh, that was the longest issue i've done before that i did a hellboy one shot and i also did um 
a lot of other stuff in the Mignola verse, like Age Sapien, the Haunted Boy. And uh, the first thing I ever did, actually, the first one shot I did, um, actually, after Age Sapien, I did, I did a, an Aliens miniseries, actually. And then uh, Serenity flowed out with Patton Oswalt. Right. So, <laughs> welcome to comics. <laughs> yeah, quite the uh, eclectic list of writers you've worked with there. And they're all named Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then color artist extraordinaire, Heather Moore. Heather, uh, where have people seen your work before? Well, um, I'm quite a noob compared to these two, so I won't have as many titles to throw out. But um, let's see, The New World with Image. Lost Soldiers and James Bond, Agent of Spectre. Um, and so, yeah, this will be my third title with Image. Yay. That's what's been announced. Um, yeah. yeah. And a creator own book. And, you, you know, certainly, I mean, I'm, I love the fact that we have Heather here because so much of the world and the tone of what we've seen is all about the color. It's absolutely uh, amazing. I was, I was blown away by the, the color work, which just enhances what Patrick is bringing to the book. But let's, uh, let's give everybody the elevator pitch and let them kind of know what the, the story is about. So we'll start with you, Christian. How, how, uh, if somebody comes up to your table at a con or whatnot, wants to know what Bloodstained Teeth is all about, how, how are you selling it? This is how I'm selling it. Okay, so Bloodstained Teeth imagines a world where there's a secret cabal of billionaire vampires because let's be honest that's kind of what billionaires are and they feed not just on our blood because they can get you know blood banks are all over they can get our blood without any problem at all what they feed on more importantly is our money and in this world we have a character called Atticus Sloan He's kind of outside of this world of elite vampires and he's trying to find his way and he's trying to find how he can fund his immortality because immortality is not cheap. And he's worked out that he can charge people to turn them into vampires. But there's a problem because in vampire law, that is illegal. And that's what the story brings us to. What will Atticus Sloan do when vampire law catches up with him? There's some fantastic ideas that are so interesting in that. Two things that really strike me about what you said. First of all, this idea of billionaires feeding off the rest of us, which I totally agree with you. Couldn't be more relevant these days. I definitely feel like I'm being drained, you know, when I see somebody like, you know, Jeff Bezos. And I don't know him personally. I'm not attacking him personally. But when his uh, the rest of us are locked down in our homes during a pandemic and his wealth like triples, what else, yeah. you know, what am, what am I supposed to, to think? And the other thing yeah. I love about it is it's this idea of Atticus Sloan is not the good guy. He might be the protagonist of the story, but he is not a good guy. Neither are these billionaire vampires, but yet that's where the conflict is. And I think we get to be almost third person sitting outside of it, watching this all yeah. go down. So, Absolutely. yeah, fantastic idea. Now, is this something that you've had? I think I, I saw you in an interview say an idea that you've been working on for quite a while, Christian. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of really came to the forefront in the lockdown because, you know, as you just pointed out, Jason, we, we, you know, these things were right there in front of us, you know, mm-hmm. and these billionaires are racing to get off planet. You think, why are they trying to get off planet? What's going on? You know, and just pay your taxes and then maybe you don't have to leave them all, but we'll all be okay. Right. Um, um, so there was, a, there, was a, there was a lot of anger there directed kind of like towards those sort of people. And um, I had the kind of initial root of Bloodstained Teeth, the idea of Atticus 
and that he would be a vampire for hire. I've had that for about two years now. And then it was that final piece of the puzzle, making it like all good horror. You want to be sort of discussing the world around you because, you know, otherwise it's just fluff, you know, and entertainment's fine, but, you know, for to have resonance, you want to be saying something. And so that was like the final piece of the puzzle, being able to actually say something with a story and actually, you know, have a discussion about something that, that I think we all care a lot about and we're all quite angry about. And anger makes good horror. Uh, so yeah and then it was I mean initially I was thinking about drawing it myself but as these new elements came in I realized how much the story had to be rooted in, in essentially a mirror of our world mm-hmm. for it to really resonate um, and my work is not really it's not really about mirror it's more ethereal and kind of like fantasy based and sci-fi based and I didn't really want to do something I wanted it to feel far more tangible and obviously that's why I reached out to uh to this amazing artist here sat beneath me yeah Patrick you're you're from the preview pages we've seen very gritty which again balances so interestingly with what Heather's doing in the, in the colors so uh, when when uh, Christian approached you with this idea and you you heard the plot and kind of the bones of the story, were you really excited to kind of dig in and start to world build? I I think I said, when do I start? <laughs> <laughs> like when Christian Ward comes and asks you to work with him, you say yes and then ask questions later, basically, you know. Um, and yeah, it's like he uh, we I think Christian, you, did you actually send me a, a DM on Twitter? Is that right? How mm. you actually looking up? Yeah, because I think we basically we had met and um, right. I got quite friendly with Chris Campbell. And initially, yeah. I was going to be doing a variant cover for for your book, The Mask, uh, which ne- which never happened for one reason or another. Nothing. <laughs> it was it was wicked if it was going to happen, but it never happened. Uh, and um, and I just I remember kind of like Chris and Daniel, the the editor on the mm. on The Mask, sent me some of your pages, and it was just like I just knew straight away he's the guy. And so I just slid into your DMs, <laughs> you know, As started, one does. To, started to smooth and, you know, try oh, you out, see what you're all about. <laughs> there was no, there was very little like smoothing involved. I was just like, yeah, <laughs> like do it. Uh, so, um, and, but he, you know, he actually, you know, we, we'd actually been talking for a while before we started working on this. Uh, he had a couple of ideas, uh, and this one was sort of um, uh, one of the one of the later ones that we had. And he said, "I was thinking about doing a vampire comic," and I'm like, "Yeah, you just said you basically just said like, you know, um, I'm going to give you free cookies for the rest of your life." I'm like, "Okay, sure, that sounds fine." Like, uh, but he, he pitched the idea of like, you know, if it was, you know, uh, this vampire bites bites people for money. And then uh, the elder vampires don't like that. I'm like, God, that's all I really need. And then we, I just started working on like character designs and stuff. And we went back and forth about like, you know, uh, Christian sent me the, um, the, the character um, descriptions. And the one thing about Atticus, he said he, think, he, he fancies himself someone who is like David Bowie. Uh, but his suits are like, he, he doesn't really belong. Everywhere he goes, he does not really belong, even though he thinks he's really super cool, which is like, uh, that's kind of how I act sometimes, I guess, like in high school. <laughs> but like, um, he just, uh, and so I started looking at David Bowie's, um, uh, th- like personas, like the thin white Duke, you know, and Ziggy Stardust. And I started from there. So I need, I need to have some kind of basis to start, you know? Uh, and then I, you know, I, I started sending him designs back and forth and he thought, and Christian would send more ideas, like maybe, uh, maybe more of a Robert Pattinson look, 
And so I would, you know, I did rubber pass. He's like, no, nah, maybe something a little bit, a little farther away from that. And we finally settled on somewhere in between like David Bowie and like maybe a little bit like Lucifer from Wicked and the Divine a little mm. bit. And, um, and so we kind of, uh, that's kind of where it all started. And, um, uh, but he also said something was very, very interesting. It's like, I want this to be experimental. Mm. And I go like, oh, well, what does that mean? And uh, I, I decided, you know, it's probably, you know, Christian's word smarter than I am. Uh, he has multiple Eisners. You listen to him and then you just, you know, you draw the thing. <laughs> That's what you do. And then I saw, you know, he said, I was thinking about having Heather Moore do the colors. And I, I was not familiar with her work before that. And I looked at her work and I go, okay, okay. Uh, uh, but then I saw like the actual colors for these pages. And I was like, oh, she is not screwing around, is she? I'm like, okay. <laughs> Okay. It was something I had never seen before. Most of the colorists I work with are, you know, Dave Stewart, who needs to have the colorist, the word of the eyes is named after him because he's right. so often. And Lee Lowridge, Dave Stewart, uh, Dan Brown, all of these colorists I've worked with are really traditional. And this was the first time I've seen something that departed from that. It was like, it was colored like, uh, it was like the first time you heard Pink Floyd. You're like, Whoa! <laughs> you're like, okay. And then it, you, 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 it changes the way you perceive a lot everything <laughs> basically mm-hmm. it just changes the way you perceive like what you were doing and what you initially thought and it takes you to a different place it's almost like you know first time you hear a john coltrane solo uh, you know it's you're like wow okay i'm somewhere else that i was before i started <laughs> and that's what's so surprising and like so motivating about it is you know you know that uh it's going to be it's going to be good and surprising at the same time when you get your colors when you get the inks to Heather, you know, is it she's going to come up with something that surprised you, but also you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're gonna yeah, you know, you're gonna look good, which I'm so happy to have Heather yeah. here because so often we don't I don't necessarily get the, to have the color artist on, so I mm-hmm. want to talk uh, to you, Patrick, a little more about uh, world building uh, as you know the differences between the, the character design and and actual world building, but I want to go to Heather first, because I, again, I've never had a color artist on to be able to talk about this. It's a very unique look. It's very bright. You know, this this neon world of, of the vampires, which makes sense considering, you know, the, the, the affluent kind of secret world they live in. So is it different? Because I know it is different for the for the you know artist that does the line work, character design versus world building. Is mm-hmm. it different from your perspective as well? you know, working out the palette for the, the actual world, the backgrounds, the settings, the cities, as opposed to the actual color work for the characters themselves? Oh, I kind of took everything into consideration at once on the front end. Um, I feel like I'm quite cerebral in my process. Like I live in, in the concept zone. So I was bouncing off of a lot of what Christian put forth. And um, likewise, he came to me and said experimental. So that is like my favorite word to hear. <laughs> I knew that that meant I was going to have some fun. And um, yeah, so for me in particular with this color approach, One of the main things that I began with was this idea of color hierarchy. So just like sticking with color theory and the color wheel, your primary colors, your secondary colors, your tertiary colors, and then applying those to the characters. So um, Sloan would be mainly in our, you know, primary color zone and we'd have some spaces that were outside of that and alleyways that would hit the sort of ambiguous kind of shredded 
tertiary zones. Um, so yeah, I was very conceptual in my approach and then just trying to create a lot of tension between um, this really sort of abstract application of color to Patrick's realism. Um, and knowing that we would like by doing that together, we would create this really frenetic kind of unhinged energy that you wouldn't otherwise achieve, I don't think. Um, and also another thing that I tried to do here that I haven't done in the past is um, using a lot of traditional practices to create textures because I wanted to give it a basically like visual overload. So this like visual information sickness through texture almost, <laughs> um, as well as the color palette itself. But so I did a lot of like spray paint and um, gel plate printmaking and collaging. And you may not know that, but that <laughs> is a part of what went into my color process too. Um, yeah. Well, the other thing that I want to ask you so often colors, I, I kind of liken the colors in a comic to the kind of the background score in a, in a movie. It, it gets you excited when the beats are coming and, you know, it can calm you down after a, a big blowout, that kind of thing. So obviously you're always trying to, to do that just as a color artist in general. But the other thing about this book is it feels like everything is just dialed up to 11 because it, it feels like <laughs> Christian's really, you know, the, this story is going to be fast paced and it's going to be in your face. So was that something you, you realized right away with the concept and, and knew you were going to just push it to the max with these bright, vibrant colors jumping off the page? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it, I mean, I love doing tonal shifts when the mood changes, too. So mm -hmm. I did want to include some moments, like I said, that were a little more ambiguous, a little more subdued. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I was thinking just like completely deranged and um, <laughs> unhinged. <laughs> this idea of color consumption was big for me and I got stuck on that. And this idea of like over consuming um, that kind of carried my my color work through. So, Christian, uh, you being an artist yourself, I give you a lot of credit for realizing, hey, my art style is not you know, the right style. And, and you also do a lot of your own, you color a lot of your own work. So here you go. You're ready to tell a story that's, you know, obviously near and dear to you that you're passionate about. And you're, you're wise enough to step back and say, Hey, I, I need a different uh, aesthetic. When you first saw Heather's colors come in so different from what you've done in the past color, your own work, what was your reaction? Perfect. That was it. I mean, I, I think I, I um I mean, I, I knew kind of what I was picturing, what I kind of wanted, mm -hmm. but it, it was very much kind of like chaos. I went, I was looking at um, Batman the Cult. Okay. Do you remember that? And, and, and there's sequences in that book where he, uh, you know, when Batman's kind of imprisoned, for anyone who doesn't know, it's Batman gets imprisoned by this cult and then he kind of loses his mind. Uh, and the colors kind of get trippier and trippier as he loses his mind. I love it. Love it. It's so good. And also looking at kind of like Batman, again, never Batman book, Batman uh, year one. There were, there were elements of the coloring in that that are quite trippy. And part of that is the printing process, right? It's because how colors were printed meant the colors were quite saturated. And when I was kind of like, you know, conceiving this world and writing it, it I watched a lot of like kind of 70s crime movies, you know, French Connection, Taken of Pen and One, Two, Three. Patrick, if you watched it yet, 
actually I'm working on it. Uh, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I wanted it to have that kind of very, you know, cinema from the 70s was very much about kind of like talking about social things mm-hmm. and like kind of social decay. And I wanted it to have that grimy feel. So it felt quite relevant that we would look at 70s comics and kind of have that sort of aesthetic. But then, you know, as Heather said, turn that up to 11 and kind of skew it. And just, I just knew that Patrick's, his art has just got such strong structure bones the, the realism that it could just take it we, we could just throw everything at it and it would take it um and that was really like my notes for heaven which is like like literally there are no rules go for <laughs> it and i knew because like her work is you know she'd just done uh lost soldiers when we started talking and, and there's some really beautiful and i could see there was some really beautiful kind of abstractions and there was she was really enjoying just kind of being an artist you know color artists are artists and to get the best work out of a color artist let them be an artist you know it's not just about coloring in the shapes in you know color by numbers it's about being part of the art so it was just it was just letting i knew as an artist she would bring something really interesting to it and i knew i wanted something kind of wild and 70s and kind of trippy and kind of like using halftone textures and that sort of thing but everything is you know heather and and i just trusted that she was the right person for the job and you know i've been proven completely right yeah there you go with your 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 expertise as a a visual artist because lost soldiers was very dark both in story and in palette it was one of the most depressing books i've read in a a while i mean anything about the vietnam war you know pretty damn dark yeah yeah so uh this is completely you know you're going crazy with the primary colors here so kind of fun to cut loose um going back to you patrick uh you know you said yes right away any kind of worries at all being that Christian, you know, he's the writer this time, but you know, he's a, a visual artist, um, you know, have, have the scripts been different? Has, has it been a sort of a different level of, of communication because he does have that background of, of being an artist as opposed to somebody else you've worked with, like Christopher <laughs> Cantwell that you, you mentioned, obviously, who, who does, you know, just a writer. Uh, yeah. He's awesome. That's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact that he, um, is an artist made me a lot more comfortable right away. It's like uh, the first thing we talked about was like how long it's going to take me to actually do this and what, what deadlines are. Cause he knew, like, you know, that's, you know, if you can't get it done, there's no point in doing it. So, um, but he wanted to know how long it would take me. And, you know, so first of all, I was like, okay, he's really concerned about that. And, but also he's really concerned about like well, how much pressure is on me. And so that made it a lot easier for me to say yes, even though I was going to anyway, basically, mm-hmm. but like, um uh the um uh the scripts are you know are really like i've only worked for really dark horse so like they're you know most of the scripts i see or i've seen before i got to christians were similar to like a movie screenplay um but uh uh but what i liked about uh christian script was sometimes he'd be like patrick go nuts i'm like oh okay (laughs) are you sure (laughs) like some of the script he like he, he you can definitely tell that he trusts like the people he's working with not to say that other writers don't but you can definitely tell that like you know he's wanting he's he's trying to get you to be the best artist you can be by just letting you like breathe and do your thing and and he know he trusts to know that and that's and sometimes the notes in the script reflect that too like we're um uh 
you know, he'll, uh, or sometimes it, like I'll, when I do the thumbnails, like I'll just, I'll change something just to make the storytelling work a little bit differently, you know? And, uh, you know, uh, I didn't know what to tell him at first. I was, I, I gave him like this really kind of apology email the first time I sent a letter saying like, Christian, I had to change some things. Uh, is that cool? Don't fire me. Uh, and, and he was like, whatever you need to do to make it feel better, run better. is fine. I trust you with it. And so every time I do the thumbnails now, I feel like, okay, I can just sort of, you know, call an audible and like kind of change that there too. And, you know, cause I never know, like, I always think that I am like, I don't have a place to like step on anybody's toes. Right. Like I've Eric, worked yeah. with Mike Vignola and Dave Stewart. And I feel bad. I never wanted to give those guys any notes. Like, you know, Mike, that cathedral scene, is a little bit bland. You may want to, <laughs> you might want to like, you know, add some zombies or something. I mean, I don't want to give anybody else like notes to tell if anybody else had to do their job. You know, but, you know, this is a collaborative process. So, like, um, that's what uh, Christian keeps telling me over and over again is that, like, you know, this is not just mine. This is not yours. This is not Heather's or anybody else's. This is ours. And so, like, whatever you think will make the, the collective experience or the collective comic better, you just do it. So that's what I like about it is that we're not just gunning for ourselves. You know, we're actually making we're doing whatever we can to make the best comic that we we can together as like a group. Yeah. The whole will be greater than the, the sum of the parts. And yeah. it, it, I'm glad you brought that up, the, the collaborative uh, process. Cause that, that was my next question for Heather. Uh, obviously you're, you're going nuts. You're doing something completely different here. So you get the line work from Patrick the first time you do the colors, you pass them back and then he takes a look at it and you guys go back and forth or how did, how did that collaborative process get started in terms of uh, the way you guys work together and has it changed? Have you gotten more now that you've gotten a little more comfortable with each other? Yeah. I mean, that's about right. They, I get, I receive the line work and I also work off of the script. So those two go hand in hand for me. Um, and then I send the colors for both of them to review actually. And they've been really fantastic about giving me guidance and feedback. Every note that I've received has improved the work. So, I mean, just to echo but what both of uh, them have already said, I mean, we just really click as a team. So it's all been a very smooth process for us. And I don't think that anyone, you know, feels like they need to hold back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just been, been great. It's been flowing well. And I, to answer the <laughs> second part of your question about how it has changed I don't I don't know that it's changed very much we've just hit a stride I think um now where we are uh in the process I mean things are just moving a little more quickly almost too quickly <laughs> but um but yeah so it's been great <laughs> good that's good to hear uh there's always a little bit of nervousness when you put something new out in the world you you, you know you people you guys have all put out comics, you've all created stuff. And there's always that question for you, uh, Christian, here you are putting out something as a writer. And as we noted at the top, you're more known as a, an artist. So maybe a little extra nerves there. How, how's the response been? Um, it, it, the book comes out in about a month, everybody, April 27th. Uh, and we'll certainly be reminding you and we'll certainly uh, do a spoiler free review. Uh, but, but how has the, uh, the reception been? People seem excited, Christian. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I mean, I've been doing comics for just shy of 15 years now, and this will be my um, sixth or seventh uh, creative own book, second as a writer. And I would say this is the most hype I've had for any book. I mean, and you know, consider that I've worked with 
Matt Fraction and, and G. Willow Wilson. I mean, that's saying something. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that's because of my, you know, stellar collaborators as much as anything. Um, so it, it's, it's really exciting. And in answer to your question, you know, is there more pressure on this because I'm known as an artist? I would say, if anything, the fact that I'm known as an artist takes the pressure off. Mm. Because in many ways, like, I've made sure that, you know, Heather and Patrick are getting paid on this book. And I know that they're getting, they're getting paid, they're getting looked after. The work that they do, money goes in the bank and it's all sorted. And, I, and because of that, I don't, I don't take any um, money up front on this book. And if the book completely fails, which I don't think, well, I already know it hasn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but if the book had failed, it wouldn't have mattered. Because, you know, the guy's getting paid and I'm being paid by my, my art career, my, mm-hmm. my, you know, drawing. So in, in a way, it kind of freed me up mm. to not worry about, okay, I've got, to, I've got to write a book that will sell, that right. will be popular. All I had to do was I, I, I want to tell a story. And I don't have to worry about that story being commercial. And I don't have to worry about fitting it into a pigeonhole. And this is why I've gone for, you know, Patrick and Heather, because I've got, I want to do the story that I really want to tell with the people I really want to work with. Be damned if it's popular. Be damned if it, if it sells. Make sure that they're okay and they're being paid and, you know, no one's doing anything for free or less than their page rate. And I don't have to worry that it, it's, it's not going to be a big hit. And so it means that the story can be told with integrity and we can do it, you know, how we want to do it. And I think kind of, I think kind of like readers and retailers and anyone who's excited about comics always responds well to the story that's told because there's passion there. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not really nervous about the book coming out because I'm really excited about it. I'm really proud of it. Um, and people may not like some of the way that I write and they may not like some of the stuff that I do, but I know that they're going to like, well, you know, what Patrick and, ever have done and if they don't it's not for them um but we know we're doing a brilliant book i mean it, honestly I, I think it's absolutely amazing it's one of the best things i've ever done yeah i'm really excited to to dive into it myself and, and to read the whole thing and i agree with you uh we say it all the time i create our own stuff it co- the passion comes through if you guys are having fun doing it then it's that much more fun for for us to read it uh let's go back to something we were uh, mentioning earlier patrick about uh design and, and world building so the difference between actually designing the world and and, and the cities and the, the backgrounds that these characters are going to live in and the characters themselves do you start with one versus the other? Does it depend on the project? Do you prefer one or the other? I always start with the characters, of course, because that's where the story centers around, you know, and then I, I sort of uh, like our character is, uh, um, uh, well, Christian actually gave me, you know, he, he mentioned like, you know, uh, films in the 1970s, which I love, like, uh, like one of my favorite movies of all time is Chinatown, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, it's probably the most well-written movie out there um you mean there there, there are courses de- dedicated to just talking about chinatown's writing and but also like the french connection and uh i don't think this is technically a 70s movie but bullet with steve mcqueen um like there's a certain feel to those movies that i am attracted to and i think like you know if you can even talk about like david fincher who's sort of like whose movies look like they could be in the 70s because of the way he designs blacks and because of the way he um organizes uh light and dark you know and so, like, uh, I, I do, after I get the characters done, I'm like, okay, so uh, where, can I, where can I set these people 
uh, to immerse the reader in the believability of the story. And so that's when I start looking at like, um, uh, like environments for them to, or spaces for them to exist. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be a little more experimental. Let's look at Tokyo and uh, um, let's look at, uh, um, uh, let's see. Um, I want to say like, you know, I, not, not, not directly, but the movie, the, the, the films of Nicholas Winding Rifen, I don't know if I pronounce his name right, but like Drive, you know, and those things. And like those movies, they're very, they have a bunch of like, you know, this is a term that Christian brought up, but I love it. I'm sorry, I'm going to co-opt the Christians. They're, they're very lysergic, you know, um, in, in their colors, but there is a contrast there. And like those colors show up because of the, con because of the, of the, of the blacks and because of the contrast there. And so like, I, I, I think about that when I, when I, uh, when I started like designing things and putting things together, I'm like, okay, so there's, uh, if you think about it, like, uh, like, like a, like a music, like, like a, like a band, like maybe like my work is like the baseline. That's where everybody has to pivot around, you know, like Heather could be like the lead guitar, you know, and Christian could be like the lead singer, but like, there's this, there's like the drums or the bass that sort of like set the foundation for everything. And so I sort of think about it like that. Okay. What can, uh, carry, or what can, uh, what can, what can Heather's colors pivot around, you know, and what, 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 um, you know, how can I actually visualize Christian's words? And so like, I sort of think about it and I guess, you know, um, uh, Christian said there's, there's like such weight visually to the work that I do. And I think that there's, there's a conceptually that makes sense too, you know, because like, I feel like I, this is sort of like a foundation that sort of, uh, uh, that, that pivots around a lot of things. And so like, I, I would, I would search like a, a backgrounds that actually had a lot of weight to them that have like a lot of like a uh, um, chiaroscuro as a, you know, which is one of my favorite words of all time. Like, and so uh, I would think about that uh, in terms of like, you know, um, uh, creating like visual weight and form and texture and that kind of thing. And I think that like, uh, it's basically just to, just to sort of set up for everybody else to like, you know, uh, it's like, I'm, I'm making, I'm making like a platform for everybody, but like, yeah, I love the, the cityscapes and the French connection, like there's this whole chase underneath a bridge, you know, and everything is framed by that elevated train, train track. I'm like, yeah, visually, yeah, you're focused right on where you need to be. So like, I also, you know, make sure I think about it in terms of like, how can I use the visuals to like, or like the light and the light and dark to guide the readers where they need to go or where they need to be read and that kind of thing. So I don't know if that answers your question or- No, no, that makes, it makes a lot of sense. I, from yeah. From hearing you talk about it, what I what I take from it is kind of so you're setting the baseline mood. Let's use that that mm -hmm. that word of, of yeah. mood. And then we all know that when it comes to human emotion, it's much more complex than, you know, I react yeah. to a certain situation and I just feel one thing. You know, I'm just mad or I'm just sad. It's always complex. And so then Heather comes in with her color work and you build on that foundation of of mood. So I, I want to go back to something that that you said that kind of ties into this, Heather, which is working from from the script as well as the the line work. So uh, when you're looking at the script, maybe even before you've seen some of the line work for these scenes that that Patrick's doing, or do you already have in your mind, okay, you know, this is a softer scene. I think I'm going to go with this sort of a, a color palette as opposed to waiting for the line work and then choosing you know, what kind of palette or how intense the colors are? Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, yes, I do that a lot. So if part of my process is really conceptual, part of it is also very driven by feeling and a, a visceral approach that does come from taking in the script um, and considering what the tone is that Christian has already set. 
and then how Patrick has then executed on that. So that is my main um, launch pad for just kind of considering the overall mood and the transitions between scenes. I could not work without the script. To me, it's it's vital as a colorist and obviously could not work without the art either. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're, it, we're all very entangled, I think, um, in our creation for this book. But yeah, so I'll, I'll absolutely start with that. And then was there a second part to your question or was that? No, that, I no, I think it? you answered it. Oh, okay. You answered it, you answered it perfectly. Uh, and I, I really do appreciate everybody's time. I'm really excited for the book. I want to finish up here with uh, kind of a two-part question. Uh, if you have a favorite character in the book that you like working on for each of your particular parts of the book, uh, and if there's a moment uh, whether it's first issue, second, you know, further down the line that you can't wait to be out in the world to get readers reaction. Uh, and we'll start with, we'll start with you, Christian. Well, I mean, like I will say that there are, there are two big things in the first issue that we're all like mm, about that. We're like, mm, and every, all of like our peers that we kind of sent the book out to, I mean, I've had messages from like kind of like a great, you know, I spat out my coffee at this bit. <laughs> like I couldn't believe this bit, and um, and we've been like, okay, we need to make sure that this bit doesn't like leak out, mm-hmm. and then the, the and the way that we end the book that that doesn't leak out, um, because it kind of, you know, that's the hook is there. So I'm really excited for people to kind of really see what our hook is because it's not quite revealed yet. Um, so there's that, and I can't. I mean, I, I kind of want to say my favorite character, who my favorite character is, but I. I think we're all going to say the same thing, but I, I don't know. But I, I really, I, I mean, Atticus Sloan is, is, um, he's my favorite bastard. I mean, like, and that's, you know, I'm completely writing him as a complete conceited asshole. He's so much fun to write because he just doesn't, he doesn't give a shit about anyone or anything. He's really, he's really good fun to write. And, um, and it, it's quite hard when you're writing a character who's such an asshole. And somehow, and this is this is down to Patrick completely, he's not unlikable. So somehow Patrick takes this arsehole and kind of makes him into this character that you're like, yeah, he's an arsehole, but I kind of like him. <laughs> and I think that's that, you know, that's what what why the, the, the character in the book works really. So he's he it can't be anyone other than him because he's the He's the one that birthed the whole thing. So he's my he's my idiot, stupid bastard, black <laughs> sheep of a son. <laughs> and how about you, Patrick? Uh, it's going to have to be the character of Joey, uh, which is Atticus's best friend. Um, and he's actually like, uh, you know, Christian and I, when we were talking about characters, like he is like the Jiminy Cricket character, like his conscience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, like he's also, but he's the character who wants who is sort of like the best parts of Atticus. And uh, he reminds Atticus that those parts still exist in him somewhere. And, uh, you know, throughout the course of the story, you know, those things evolve and change, of course, in very interesting ways. But like, the, um, the, uh, for him, like, it, he's always, you know, uh, even though, you know, he is a, he's a vampire, you know, and he's like, uh, he's also supposed to be like, you know, uh, not a good person and he drinks blood and everything like that. But he has a sweetness to him and he has like an earnestness to him uh, that like I, I 
I kind of identify with, you know, like he, even though things are really terrible, like he still thinks that there is good in everything. And he wants, even though the, the worst assholes everywhere to actually find that. And if they can, you know, we're all going to be better off. And I like that. I like that sense of hope. You know, I think Christian was talking talk, to us about like how these days, like billionaires sort of control everything, you know, and there's a lot of cynicism in this world and this comic, it can be very, very cynical. But the one thing that is not, the one thing that sort of is that light is Joey. And that's why I think he's really important is because like he reminds us that like you don't have to be, even though terrible things are happening and terrible people, terrible people are out there. You don't have to be an asshole. <laughs> yeah. It's a good. Good lesson. Good lesson to remember. Any, uh, any moments you can't wait for people to see? Uh, gosh, um, all of them. <laughs> um, like I know like there's, you know, not, it's hard to talk about without giving every, giving things away. So, right. but like, um, uh, I just know that like every issue is going to have different moments that people weren't going to expect. And, and uh, like, like I was saying, like every issue I have to do research on a different thing that is different than the last issue. Like I have, like we were talking about researching the French connection and the issue I'm working on now research is a completely different thing, you know, which expands our universe a little bit. I'm not going to tell you how, but you know, I like the fact that like, every issue is just so different. People are going to get a different experience every time. And there's different things that every issue focuses on. Um, it is, of course, it's a lot of work, but it's work that like, you know, I can't wait to like people, to, I can't wait for people to experience it. So that's a, that's a dumb answer. I'm sorry. No, that's a great, that's a great answer. In my head, I'm thinking each time a new script comes in, you must be like, oh, it's Christmas. What, what yeah. cool thing am I going to get to check out this time? Christmas not get to work. <laughs> Where, uh, you know, but each issue kind of ramps up what I have to do, like, or what I have to show. And, uh, and it's like, and so until it gets to a point where it, it's just going to be like, when you finish listening to that John Coltrane solo, you're going to feel like elated. Mm -hmm. You're like, Oh man, like you, you, you had some kind of, you had, you, you had an experience that, um, uh, that kind of lodged deep in your heart. And you're going to feel differently than when you started reading it. So, yeah. Yeah. And what's cool about comics is the community. You'll be able to share that feeling with other people yeah. that, that, that read it. So uh, what about you, Heather? Favorite moments, favorite character? Yeah, I will be very succinct here because I think I'm known for giving spoilers <laughs> and I don't want to do that. Um, but my favorite character is Beverly. So we each had a different character. This mm. has just turned out that way. Um, but yeah, I won't say why yet. Um, she just is. Yeah. You'll, it's, 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 everything's good. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of the characters. And I also really love coloring the environments as well. I know we're talking about favorite approaches to characters, but uh, it's just all so rich, I think. Um, no pun intended, but it just. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, fantastic reminder to you listeners, it's hitting comic shops on April 27th. Now is the time to tell your uh, retailer that you want it, because I think because of the supply chain and paper shortages and whatnot, that image is still not yeah. doing any uh, subsequent printings. Yeah, so now's the time. You don't want to miss it before final order cutoff. Let your retailer know, hey, I want a copy of this. Pick which covers you want, which cover or covers. Uh, there's mm -hmm. some great ones. Uh, I'll put a link. In the show notes, everybody, to the, the page on imagecomics.com where you can go and see the covers uh, again, April 27th. I really appreciate the time, everybody. I'm really excited. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you and so we'll, much. 
We'll go around real quick uh, one last time. Let everybody know where they can find you online if they want to know uh, when you're announcing things or uh, to follow your work. We'll start with you, Christian. Where's the best place? Um, I, well, Twitter and Instagram, it's the same handle. So it's CJ Ward Art. Great. And you, Patrick? Uh, my, I'm, my name is spelled without a K, so super important. Uh, I'm on Twitter as a, at Patrick uh, underscore Reynolds. And on Instagram, uh, I believe it's at Patrick J. Reynolds. If you just look at Patrick without a K, you're going to find me and my uh, father who's pulled up the birth certificate. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and how about you, Heather? Best place? Uh, well, I don't have much of a pre- uh, presence online, so I only have Instagram, and my handle is HMLM Colors, I believe. I don't use it very much. I will be better at this, I think, in the future. <laughs> but yeah, so you can also find me, I think, through their Instagram accounts, too. Great. And I'll put links to everybody's social media in the show notes. Uh, as well, listeners. So if you're having trouble finding them, you can just go and click there. So uh, again, really excited about the project. Best of luck. Can't wait for it to be out in the world uh, and read it and see uh, everybody's reaction. So best of luck with the series. To all you listeners, we want to thank you for joining us as always. We appreciate the support and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes, as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.